Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 61 in the chapter, How It Works, and we're going to be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins what usually happens and ends of confusion rather than harmony. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, 12 Steps, Emily T., 12 Traditions, Alice A., readers of the text, Nancy P., Rena L., and Vanessa G. Our newcomer greeter is Reva P., and our second-hour host is Anne-Marie M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 14th, 2023, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, it's 19,958. That's 19958. And for the Eastern Time meeting, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 19,959. That's 19959. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer, our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Emily T. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Emily T., a recovering compulsive overeater in Chicago. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever Um, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to do service. Thank you, Emily T. And I will now ask Alice A. to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, this is Alice A. in Alabama. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, poverty, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Alice A. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the, big, what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, How It Works on page 61. We're gonna be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, what usually happens and ends, producer of confusion rather than harmony. And I will now ask Nancy P. to please begin reading. Hi, good morning. Um, Nancy P. recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. 
becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only he manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things that he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can, all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Okay, let me uh, set my timer here. Don't forget it. You'll time me. My phone is like acting up. Okay, so... Ah, this is such a great paragraph. For my whole life, I've tried to run everything, run my own show. I'd try to get in front of things by being extra vigilant. I'd get up practically in the middle of the night so that I could go to the gym early to be first in line and first in and get it done and out of the way. Or I'd try to do everything I needed the night before and then I'd be up till 2 a.m. One time, you know, I'm an executive. I wasn't. I retired now, but I'm an, I used to be an executive assistant. And one time, I stayed at work all night to organize some paperwork for no good reason. No one who does that. No one. Um, I did all those things so that I could be first and get what I wanted, even if I already had what I needed. I was an obnoxious driver. I loved fighting with customer service representatives, threatening them. And if I could make them cry, I was. I considered it a feather in my cap. And if I had to wait one second longer than I thought was necessary, everybody would, everybody would hear about it. And my poor family had it worse. They were stuck with me. I was always insisting on running things the way that I wanted. I was always trying to wrest satisfaction by managing well. And I love that word rest. It means to forcibly pull something from another's grasp. And grasp means to seize and hold firmly. So I was always in conflict. I was always not only trying to take something from someone else, but they were usually just as determined to hold on to it. And so it was a total disaster, and my whole life was a disaster, and I was always trying to manage well, and that's the problem. I cannot manage at all, well or not well. My life is unmanageable, meaning it cannot be managed, period. It's it's a terrible way to live, always resting and managing and grasping and just exhausted. And um, today I'm so grateful I don't have to do that anymore. I'm just so grateful. Today I have something that takes care of me way better than I could ever take care of myself. I step out of the way and it's magical. I'm not kidding you. Everything is in harmony. It's at its most productive. I comprehend the word serenity and I know peace. And it's not that everything in, my, in life goes my way. Nobody cares what I say. Nobody cares what I think. Nobody does what I say. Nothing. You know, far from it. You know, it's that I don't mind which way things go because my feelings don't own me anymore. I'm not crippled by them. I don't get what I need. I don't get what I get, I get, I, rather, I don't get what I want, I get what I get. And everything seems to just fall into place. What I get becomes what I want. My need to serve myself disappears and my need to serve others grows strong. And there's nothing before being of use to other people today for me. Um, I know that and I can't get in front of anything. I can't weigh and measure my way out of it. I can't find, you know, I could have a railroad car full of Tupperwares, you know, and it's not going to help me. I could somehow never sleep and get be always first in line, and it's not going to help me. The only thing that helps is one thing and one thing only. You know what it is. Surrender, 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 first, last, and always. So do it now, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P., for getting us started. 
And although we value everyone's experience, we do ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back this morning and let others step up. And who would like to share on what was read this morning? Colleen M. Colleen. Alice W. Alice. Loretta H. Loretta. I think I heard Judith. Jen A. Oh gosh, that was a bunch of bunch of people, but I didn't get any. Reva. Nancy R. Nancy. Jen A. Jen A. Let's stop that. Jen A. Actually, there was a gentleman, maybe. Okay, so let me tell you what I have. Um, I have Colleen M, Alice W, Loretta A, Judith SP, Reva P, Nancy R, Jen A, and Katie G. So, Colleen M, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen M, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maryland. Thank everyone who is doing service today. So, wrestling satisfaction out of life, that's what I did that this paragraph is just me all over. Um, I stepped on the toes of my fellows and they retaliated and I never understood why because I was always just trying to do good, right? Trying to trying to help all of these people that needed my help because they weren't living the way I thought, you know, it wasn't the right way. Um, you know, today I, thank God, have surrendered to a power greater than myself. And I have to tell myself regularly that I am not the power. Um, somewhere in my life, I got the message that, you know, I was the fixer. And, um, and especially with my family, as was said before, um, you know, what I really wanted is comfort and ease. And I don't like feeling uncomfortable. And if you're not doing something I think is if you're doing something that's making me uncomfortable, you know, it's my job to fix you. I never wanted to look at me. Today, thank the Lord that I am a different person. And now when I'm disturbed, I know it's there's something in me that needs to be looked at and worked on. Um, and what you're doing is none of my business. Uh, you're living the way you're supposed to live because that's your higher power and your choice. So I just wanted to speak up. I haven't said anything in a while, and um, I'm so glad to be here, and I have a lot more to learn, and I'm looking forward to more growth. Thank you, everyone, and I will pass. Thank you, Colleen M. And Alice W., you're up, followed by Loretta A. Great. Hi, I'm Alice. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive eater. It's just such a wonderful, thank you for your service. It's such a wonderful paragraph that, and I just wanted to sort of speak up and just share and just, um, just I relate to absolutely everything on there. And that's just always what got me into the food, just such self, strong self-will. Um, always wanting to run the show. And then the bit about being gracious and kind, I never thought, I thought that, you know, trying to be controlling and control everything and make everything go my way, which then turned into an unmanageable car crash. Um, I thought that that was just being really sort of brutish. Um, But actually, 
you know, it's also that that sort of manipulation of being gracious and kind and people pleasing to get my way to feel comfortable because as an addict, I don't like to feel uncomfortable. And um, it would all just um, plummet me into this sort of step one unmanageability and then the food. And then the more I was in that, the more I'd control. It was just this sort of snowball effect of just uh, more unmanageability, more need to control, uh, more fears that I needed to uh, sort out, you know, by my own will and make everything okay on the outside. And the solution to all of this is is, is God, is my high power. And um, when I truly, truly, truly hand it over to God and uh, my high power running the show, it's a miracle how things just don't only work out well, but way better, way, way, way better. This sort of perfect divine sort of timing to things that I just think, wow, I could not have done that, nor would I have dreamed of that, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, setting up confusion as well, um, creating confusion. Um, I seem to be really good at that. I even did that the other day, which I didn't even know I was doing. But if I had just shut my mouth, um, <laughs> it would have been fine. But I just... Um, create confusion and when I'm just all confused and in my head and so anyway I'm just really grateful today that I have um I have the steps and the tools and um all of these things I didn't have available to me to stop me running the show because as I say it really just my experience over and over and over again just it does not work when I do that so I'll leave it there but I'm just really grateful to everyone on this meeting grateful to be here and everything all the miracles I've got from my my program um, so far. Thank you. Thank you, Alice W. And Loretta H., you're up, followed by Judith S.P. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you, everybody on the line, along with my precious God, who is saving my life today, Loretta H., recovered in North Carolina. Uh, am I a self-seeker? Oh, my God, yes. And I was in an industry that actually... Um, told me, and this is partially why I was a self-seeker, that HALT was meant for everybody else but us as service people. So as a result, surviving in that environment, I used the idea of um, not losing what I had, getting something I wanted, or not being found out. So yes, I was the good girl, and then I came home and I treated my family and myself with disdain because we could never actually show our feelings. So grateful today that I have this program where I do practice the principles in all my affairs. And last night on a meeting, uh, we read for Valentine's Day, my meeting that I go to often, the four absolutes and they digested them in every aspect of it. So they, they digested the usefulness, and it's from the Oxford group. They digested love. They digested honesty. And they digested, um, authentic, I call it authenticity, but it's purity. And today, that's how I want to live. And those four absolutes actually encompass the principles. All the There's 36 principles for all our um concepts and the tradition and everything 
And those four absolutes actually encompass all that. So I can open and polish my heart today with those four things, and I can go out into the world and be a seeker of um, kindness and tolerance and love instead of a seeker that only believes Loretta's propaganda that she needs to be fulfilled and she needs to um, be the center of attention. So I am so grateful today that this program, that I trust God, clean house, and help others to be of maximum service to God. Thank you, God. Thank you all. Have a blessed day. Happy day. Thank you, Loretta H. And Judith S.P., you're up, followed by Reva P. Good morning, everybody. This is Judith S.P. in Maryland. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, everyone, for being here in the shares before me. And most of all, thank you, God, for bringing me here to this awareness, which is essential for my continuing recovery. I keep thinking of some of the lines. I don't exactly know the pages, but, you know, either God is all or God isn't. And also that God lives within each one of us whether we know it, realize it, take it, and and move forward with it. Well, I realized this morning um, in my meditation that um, I've got to be all in, surrender, trust, and be God-conscious every single minute of my glorious day, or I'm doomed. And I can have periods of time where I'm in this wonderful state, and uh, wonderful state meaning it feels good to me. And then someone does something or the carpet is uh, raised and I trip over it spiritually um, and so forth. I'm not going to go back into the past and how I was for me and how this paragraph screams out Judith all over the place. What I know in this day, in this moment, that either I am God conscious all the time as number one from the minute God gives me the breath and helps me open my eyes throughout my day, or I might as well just go back to the food or even worse, not be here. This is serious business. I know we talk about this a life and death. And I'm at a point in my life that um, the blame and the responsibility, the abdication of my own responsibility to others is over. God help me to continue to trust in this commitment because it's just not working. I want harmony. I want to do God's will. I need to do God's will because God gave me this as my purpose of creation. So as I heard in in, uh, someone that was talking about God consciousness, when I look out, well, not look because I can't see you, when I hear with my two ears, what comes back at me is all your ears and all your words to me. That's God. When we say the serenity prayer at the end, that's God. God is throughout everything. And when I close my eyes, 
not literally, but figuratively, and turn my back. I'm turning my back on God. And it's over. It's over. The food is neutral. And thank you, God. I will stay in your glory all moments of my day. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Judith Judith S.P. And Reva P., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, these pages 60 to 63 are totally like ripped out and falling apart in my book because I need to constantly remind myself what I am like and what my life looks like when I'm not in alignment with my higher power. So what happens? Um, I knew by the time I got here that what happens every time I try to control and manage the food and my weight and my body, um, I ended up, you know, facing a toilet bowl, um, sick and angry with myself that I did it again, uh, lying on the bathroom floor after a binge, not able to get up because I was so stoned on sugar. I knew what happened there. But you know what? When I first read these pages, I was a little bit like insulted, like, what are you talking about? Um, And once I was detoxed and the food was down and I started working through the steps, I saw this, you know, I put the word I here. And it's not past tense. This is now what I am like if I don't keep on doing the work that clears my blockages to my higher power. Because what do I do? You know, I try to get my way. And when I don't get my way, oh, I forgot to time myself. You'll have to time me. Um, When I don't get my way, I try harder and I make it worse. It's like, you know, you're supposed to use a feather here, Reva, but I use a hammer. Um, and it gets worse and worse. And I love that reminder of delusion. Like it's the false belief in spite of knowing that God's way is better. I hear all you say God's way is better and I still become demanding. Um, and I love the reminder, you know, I can't live on self-will run riot. It just doesn't work. It, it just does not work because I get confused. I make everybody else confused. There is no harmony. And I can be like that, you know, five minutes from now, if I'm not doing the work to stay spiritually fit and continue growing. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Nancy R., you're up, followed by Jen A. Good morning. It's Nancy R., recovered compulsive overeater from Northwest Illinois. Um, I thankfully today I'm convinced that my life run on self will can hardly be a success. I, my higher power has shown me over and over and over again. And, um, you know, like when I'm trying to arrange everything, I am um, selfish and self-centered. And I, like I've heard others share today, um, just want to arrange everything. I want to be such selfish and self-centered. You know, I want things the way I want them to be. And my life is so much more surprising when I let life be life, let life be life um, and let people do what they wish instead of me. Um, That's when the show really is great. That's when I, um, when I let go and step back 
I get to see the gifts that really are there in my life. I get to see the show beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, you know, and it, it's, um, it's, uh, I, I, if I, if I get them to, to me, um, it's a struggle to stay out of this directorship. <laughs> um, I had a job for probably about, I don't know, 10, 15 years of my career where that was my title. I was director of fill in the blank. And, um, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> I loved it. I loved that title. Um, and, you know, you could, I was director of fill in the blank everything, everything in my life. And I still am when I don't pause and let God in, um, step back and let us, the world be the way the world is not the world according to Nancy. Oh, and I I loved being even more kind, considerate, patient, generous, modest and self-sacrificing because then I could be like, but I'm just being so wonderful. Why are you mad at me? Um, and I just pray that God continue to show me how I manipulate myself and others um, in my life because it can be very subtle. And uh, I want to just keep being shown how I'm doing it so that I can let it go and see the wonderful show that my higher power has planned. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy R. And Jen A., you're up, followed by Katie G. Good morning. Thanks so much. Uh, This is Jen A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater uh, in Colorado today. Thank you, God. I used to be that icky and sticky and tricky kind of girl. And I thank you, Nancy, for taking me down memory lane of what I was like, too. Because I was exactly, just exactly what you said you were. It's really scary how when we identify and we're like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too. And when I read pages 60 to 63, I see a girl like me. Um, whether I'm out of the food or in the food. Why? Because, you know, I'm, I'm human. And I'm going to get upset. And when I get upset, I have one option. I got to work the steps. You know, the show is not coming off very well at work this week. And so, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to exert my will more, you know, and I get in self-pity. Oh, poor Jen Marie. But wait, do more, be more. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. You know, and I think, oh, well, I'm recovered. I'm a good girl. I have this program. I've got God. And God says, yes, but I'm giving you more of a heart like mine. Every time he takes me back to step one, you know, are you powerless over this upset in this situation? Do you believe that I'm going to restore you to sanity? And if you do, here it comes, sister. Here I am. And put it in a box and put the lid on it, put a bow on it, send it up into the love and the light and give it to me. That's surrendering every little upset that comes my way today. You know, I I have to keep doing that because I truly believe that I own the Encyclopedia of Good Behavior. And if you people would do as I say, you know, everything would be okay. Hmm. The trouble is I keep managing me and everyone around me, and it just gets me in more trouble. And God says, do you want me to be the manager? You're giving it over to me, Jen. 
And so I give these situations every day, every week, doing the inventory, running one through seven, eight and nine if I've harmed anybody. The step saves my bacon all the time. So what usually happens after that? Thank you, God, that I received the gift of having a manager again because I push my manager aside nine times out of ten. You know, I pick him up in the morning and say, okay, God, let's go to work. And then by the time I get there, it's like, oh, here's the Jen Marie show, and I'm running it again. You know, and then he grabs me and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm over here. And I don't listen to him. And so finally I hit a brick wall. And I'm so glad that I have these pages to remind myself that, you know what, do I want to be a producer or do I just want to live in the sunlight of the spirit and watch the production go and glow around? As an event coordinator in my job, I like to see a good production come off. But I know that ultimately, I'm not managing it. And when I give it over to God, it's 10 times better. So that girl who came in with, you know, the barbed wired heart, I love how it was said this morning, is now asking God to continually remove the barbed wire and continue, like she said, to polish my heart. That's the joy of this program, and that's the joy of living in the spirit. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jen A. And Katie G., please share with us. Hey, good morning, Lisa. What an incredible meeting, Katie. She recovered in Boston, and um, I'm a compulsive eater. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, for newcomers, why are we talking about this? Because it's more than just believing the lie that if I'm the thinnest girl in the room, I'll get what I want and I'll be okay. Like, I don't have a food and a weight problem. I have a life issue. And, um, yeah, I'd love to say that this is in the past tense, but I just want to give you some ideas. So, like, I had to have a medical procedure, right? And so um, I'm like, this medical procedure needs to happen now. And I'm like, I really need it to happen ASAP. And I'm talking to the secretary. I'm like, I really, I'm Katie Greenberg, and this just has to happen. And this is how I'm acting, right? So they call me and they're like, oh, Katie Greenberg, this, this is going to happen on September, um, February 14th. And I was like, oh, that's not really going to work for me. Can you go back to the surgeon and ask the surgeon if, that's, if, if they can change it? Because, you know, and I'm acting like I'm more important than other patients. Like my need, I'm a feel-goodaholic. So my need to feel good is more important than other patients' lives, right? And so I'm like, I'm Katie Greenberg, and I need this. And they call me back, and they say no, right? And so the difference between then and now is then I really would have kept pushing it, and I would have been like, no, not acceptable, right? Like I would have gotten my loud voice on, and I would have been like, you don't understand. I'm Katie Greenberg. Let me talk to your manager, right? But today, thank God, I know, I stop, I pray. You know, the other thing I do is I arrive to appointments early, right? So I arrive to appointments early. And then at 8 o'clock, like let's say my appointment is early, is I'm arriving early, my appointment is 8. At 8, I go up to the secretary and I say, I'm sorry, are you running late today? But I'm producing confusion rather than harmony. Because, Katie, you were scheduled at 8 a.m. You are not scheduled at 7.30. If you're scheduled at 8 a.m., then you're scheduled at 8 a.m. You're not scheduled at 7.30. Like, these are the things that produce confusion rather than harmony. So the secretary, so anyway, you get it because I believe the lie that if I can fix, manage, and control just like I did with my body, then I'm going to be happy. I can tell you what today, like nothing ran on time yesterday. Everything was behind. But I'll tell you what I got. My earthly father, who's 80 years old, God love him, 
he drove me to my appointment, right? And I got more time with him. I got to wait. I got to talk to God. I got to say, okay, God, everything is in your timing because it is. When I'm waiting, it's like, can I let go? Can I let go of my plans and say, okay, you got it. I have to tell you, life is so much better. And as our friends have said, I must continue, 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 because it's God's show, not mine. And that's it. Thank you, Katie G. And just a reminder, we are on page 61 in the chapter, How It Works. We are um, have read and are sharing on the first paragraph that begins what usually happens and ends a producer of confusion rather than harmony. And who else would like to share this morning? Sigrid F. Ken W. I heard Ken. I heard Shannon. I heard Christina. Anita. David M. Florida. David. Jim M. Toledo. I heard Jim. Julie. Okay. Okay, Julie, you might, I don't know, we'll have to see where we get. I'm sorry, there were so many there. Um, let me tell you who I have. I have Sigrid F., Ken W.H., Shanna C., Christina J., Anita, and David, and Jim, and Julie E.B. So if you'll give me your first initial of your last name when you share, and um, if we don't get to everyone, hopefully you'll stay on for the second hour. So Sigrid F., you're up, followed by Ken W.H., I think. Sigrid, press star one, we can't hear you. Sorry about that. Hi, everybody. This is Sigrid F., and we're covered in South Florida. So this paragraph reminds me of of an alternate serenity prayer that I want to share in a second. But first I want to remind myself and everybody that God was always in my life, or my higher power was always in my life, making things better than what I was planning. If only I would look. And when I do look, I know that a tragedy that happened to my family in high school, he was watching, and ultimately that turned into a relationship, a healthy relationship for me that I've had with my husband for 37 years. So God's always had my back. But my thinking's always been broken. So the alternate serenity prayer is, God, please grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot control people, places, and things. Please give me the courage to change the one person I can me and the wisdom to know the difference because my addict brain wants me to think that I can control everything but I don't and I can't and the more I work these steps and the more that I accept that what really needs to change is how I think about things that's where the peace and the serenity comes it's not apathy It's an understanding that I'm really not in control for how long I thought I was, but I'm not. And it's not always easy, and it is something that I'm getting better at with practice and use of this set, but it's never going to go away either. I'm an addict. I'm an addict brain. The way I think is the way I think. Does it improve? Yes. But will I 
ever be rid of this malady? No. This is this is a lifelong malady, and the steps are my cure one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sigrid F. And Ken W.H., you're up, followed by Shanna C. Thank you. This is Ken W.H., Recover Compulsive Overeater from North Carolina. I'm aware that uh, back on page six, just two paragraphs back, we, we uh, I, I had become part of an, uh, a journey with Bill, and um, we have come into a port of call, uh, step three, and uh, Bill's decided to take me on a little <laughs> excursion. I'm not really excited about going on this excursion, but we're going to go anyway. And I say, okay, Bill, let's go. Let's get on with this. Um, and Bill reminds me that, Ken, you didn't arrange this journey. You're not in control, but come along. You've got to see something. And then on this little excursion, um, uh, basically uh, in the midst of this port of call, which is step three, and um, and he shows me that I am not in control, that I can't control. I'm under a delusion. I'm a mess. Uh, Ken, you need this break. You need to learn this little lesson. And uh, we're going to go back and continue on our journey. But you need to stop here and take a real close look at how much you're trying to manage everything, including your life. Now, I don't want you to miss this, Ken. <laughs> You've got to get this down pat. You said in step one you were willing. You you admitted your powerlessness and that uh, you could not control, manage your own life. You you admitted that. Well, now we're going to kind of drive this home. And we're going to go back. We're going to go back and get back on our journey. Uh, spoiler alert, that will happen in a couple pages when we uh, once again arrive at step three. Uh, we will be back in the port ready to continue on our journey. Um, this is an excursion. Uh, and it, Bill has stepped aside for a minute to drive home to me that I have tried to do it all on my own forever, and it doesn't work. Can drive this home. Get it into your head, and then we can get on with this decision-making time. Because uh, if I really look at it closely, and I look at the big book, Step three is only a paragraph or two. Everything in between page 60 and 63 is, the prayer at 63 is an aside. Look at yourself, Ken. Give up. You're not in control. It's going to go better for you if you let go. So that's all I have to share. Thanks for letting me share today. God bless. Thank you, Ken W.H. and Shanna C., you're up, followed by Christina J. Good morning. This is Shanna C. from Tennessee. Uh, thanks for your service, and thanks for everyone who shared already. I don't know how I could probably add any more to what has already been said. And what's cool about this whole thing is that you've got so many people on here by the dozens declaring that their way of life prior to attaining that power greater than themselves didn't work. So, um, and everybody says in their own way, in their own point of view, how they establish their relationship with God. And that's the whole point of these steps and, and, and how God demonstrates to us what he can do. The thing that keeps jumping at me um, is how 
oh my God, how it says the show doesn't come off very well. It goes on, becomes on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. I can literally get everything I want, everything I envision. I can, and as soon as I get it, I'm like, that's still not good enough. What's next? I want more. And what I've learned is there's this thing inside of me that is, without me realizing it or not, it's constantly crying out for a power greater than me. And I was told by my sponsor that even from a young age, that was my heart crying out for that power greater than myself, for my creator. And I, I didn't recognize that. And it goes on in other areas of the book where it says deep down in every man, woman, child is the fundamental idea of God. And it is only there that he may be found. So pretty cool stuff. Um, but what this paragraph shows me is once I put down the food, you know, the food really was a symbol. You know, I could order the perfect meal and get it be like, man, that's not enough or that's not good enough. I need something else. Same thing. Take away the food. It's the people. You know, some, and the great obsession that somehow someday I will control and enjoy my life, which is my ego's way of saying, I don't need you, God. I could do it on my own. And I don't even, I'm not even aware that I'm doing that because logically I know it doesn't work. Um, but it doesn't matter if I know it doesn't work. I got to see sometimes just how powerless I am over these tendencies to act this way on this page. And, um, and it's, it's on my knees every morning, you know, God, it's those, that's that third and seventh step prayer. And just because I pray these prayers and do this meditation and make outreach calls and do all the things, does it make me less human or more perfect? If anything, it's actually it actually humbles me more and shows me just how God-reliant I must be. And I get to be, and that his grace is actually very sufficient. I don't have to strive and be perfect anymore. Anyway, that's all I have. I feel like I'm running out of time. You guys are a blessing to me. Thanks for being here and being that soft place for me to land when I was so desperate. All right, enough. Have a good day. <laughs> Thank you, Shanna C. Christina J., you're up, followed by Anita. Good morning, everyone. Christina J. from the state of North Carolina. You know, this last deep dive into relapse is beginning to show me something, something crucially important for my recovery. When I did Optifast years and years ago, kind of a starvation protein shake diet routine, the first week I was on it, my husband used to leave for work at 3.30. And one of these days, when he left, I felt an incredible, aching, deep, bone-numbing loneliness come over me. Because for one, he wasn't there. For two, my music career wasn't working out at that time like I wanted. And for three, I couldn't eat. Today, I've noticed that loneliness when I can't eat. It's crushing to my soul. I don't know what to do with it. So for years, I ran a show. I ran a show of getting what I wanted, trying to get what I wanted. I was completely obsessed and absorbed in chasing a dream because I knew if I kept chasing, something in me knew I didn't consciously know. If I knew I kept chasing that dream, that I'd have something to do that would keep me from facing that ache inside that I'm pretty sure came from a root in childhood, really rough childhood like many of us have had, that I haven't addressed yet. 
I haven't known how to give that loneliness to God. I didn't even know it was there. I kind of knew it was there, but for some reason I had this autopilot numb that would say, okay, go get busy. Go do this, go do that. Stay thin, become a famous star, you know, and you don't have to face that loneliness anymore because people, places, and things are going to fill it. That wasn't a conscious voice. It was just a drive to do something bigger than myself. And I had to make it happen. I wasn't ever the confusion of other people's things as far as I know. I was a confusion. I had confusion from my own stuff. I was confusing myself left and right because I really didn't know how to do what I was trying to do. And that confusion led to more eating. Uh, Never faced this loneliness. Today I'm realizing that it's still there and that I get to now surrender that. You know, and I felt that. Three years ago, when I walked away from the donuts and I had a really good run of recovery, I felt that loneliness as I walked away from the donuts. I never really could put my finger on what it was. But because I wasn't going to use the donuts, I had to go face the loneliness. And I still didn't face it. I made a call and I did all the things and the action, but I didn't recognize it. Today, I want to to give that to God. I don't have to be a producer of confusion in my life anymore by chasing things. And I don't, I'm, I'm kind of out here in the middle of the ocean. I'm not really running anything right now. And that scares the shit out of me. I'm not chasing my career. Okay, I'm going to finish up. I'm not chasing anything. So that's why the food came. So I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, that's bullshit too, because that's disease talk. I can be of service. So I hope that resonated with someone. I needed to share it. Thank you for letting me share. Love you guys all. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Thank you, Christina J. And Anita, you're up, followed by David. And if you'll both give me the first initial of your last name when you share. Yes, I will. Uh, Thank you. I am Anita J. from Massachusetts, west of Boston. You know, I am in a show. I am not the director. There are two directors. They haven't asked for a third. And I can only tell you, They are doggone lucky that I'm in a 12-step program because I think I'm very good at all that. And yet, because I'm learning how to be part of a team, a group, I am not, it's not a pyramid. Life isn't a pyramid with me on top. That's the food groups, right? (laughs) I am um, just... Just one among many, and I had always loved that, trudging the road of happy destiny, shoulder to shoulder with my fellows. Uh, what's not to like about that? But once in a while, if I'm not focused on what is important in my life, I can want to be the director. And I'm just very grateful that, um, and they should be too, that I am in a 12-step program, and I'm not just in it. I love being in it. I can't imagine life. People who aren't in a 12-step program, how do they live? But that's not for me to answer. If um, God puts in front of me whom I'm supposed to be with, in fact, I have a partner in this show who stepped on one, ruined one of my funny lines. Did I bite him? No. I didn't. I I saw it, but it was all right. Isn't that a miracle? 
I just can't get over it. I'm grateful to God. I really, really am. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And David, um, you're up. Um, Hopefully we'll get to Jim. We'll see. Um, David, please share with us. Hi, everybody. David. Uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, having me share. Uh, my beautiful, lovely wife just reminded me that it's not my third day. Tomorrow's my third day. I, mixed, I got mixed up. So I'm going to pass today, and I'm going to share tomorrow. Um, thank you. I have the other person. Thank you, David. And Jim, if you'll, um, Jim, you're up, um, and if you'll give me the first initial of your last name. Yeah, Jim S. in Toledo. Hello? Go ahead, Jim. Okay. Um, I'm finally, I've arrived at a place where I know what to abstain from. Um, It took a lot of conviction to my conscience, to what I know is right, and I've fought it. I've tried all kinds of ways to keep certain things in my life. And it's time for me to give them up. And uh, I'm finding peace. And that's what this program is all about. We will know peace. I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Jim S. And Julie E.B., we have two minutes. Would you like them? Yeah, hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs, and uh, I wanted to share in this paragraph because um, it really is highlighted, starred, the fact that I am a victim of the delusion that I can rest happiness and satisfaction out of life if only uh, she manages well, if only I manage well. Um, That is a central delusion of my life, Um, and it makes my whole life be conditional. Everything is if only, and everything's on me. I've got to manage well. And so I've done the first step. I've said the first step that my life is unmanageable, but over and over again, this is what shows up. And I call it my agnosticism. This is me living on self um, and not knowing that God, uh, my higher power, who I choose to call God, is really the one who can manage. And so... I keep trying to squeeze, manage, demand, uh, help, plead, whatever it is. And, and if I let go of that delusion that I can, I can squeeze, rest, happiness, and satisfaction out of life, if I just manage well and I'm truly powerless, that can be the best news of my day. Um, and so, you know, in We Agnostic, it talks about the in my belief, we're all agnostic. We have these flawed ideas, these fixed ideas. And if I have a power greater than myself that's handling my life, I can just say sometimes, I don't know, or I can just wait and I can just look for how my higher power is helping. Thanks for letting me share. Um, and I pass. Perfect timing. Thank you, Julie E.B. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, February 15th, 
2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, is 19,963. That's 19963. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Rena L., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Uh, Thank you. Hopefully I can be heard. (laughs) Our book is meant to be suggestive only, thanks. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.